very special Halloween commentary of The Witch. <laughs> oh, it is good to be back because I, even though it's we've been on a hiatus, uh, it, it's just been really interesting times lately, very strange times. Uh, but we're back because we can't really resist doing uh, a Halloween special because we love Halloween. And of course, joining me as always is my ever faithful Sean Wheeler. How you doing, Sean? Are you excited to do this movie? Very. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yeah, so yeah, the witch. Uh, you know, I was actually really thinking about this because you know, like I said, we've been off the air for a little, some time, and I know you guys all three of you must have really missed us <laughs> um but uh we love our loyal yeah, fans thanks for coming back absolutely uh and we just couldn't resist doing another halloween special uh and i, I was uh, talking to you sean and we were like what what the hell are we gonna do and i originally thought oh what what about maybe like a, a real classic like the exorcist but then like at the last minute i'm like eh no no it's not not quite right i want to do that one a little bit later i want to save that for a more primal time uh but i remembered you turned me on to this movie about uh, actually i think it was uh last year you really turned me on to this one which uh and i've since watched it twice and i fucking love this movie because it's so different you know well Uh, i mean i would say it's different but let's so let me let me back to a little bit here. I really love horror films, but I'm also really picky about horror films. Same. It's like I, I can I can watch you know the big blockbuster ones, you know like the slasher movies, whatever they're fine. Um, but you know the real horror hounds, I know they'll they'll watch anything and they'll watch all the B movies. That that's really not my vibe. That's not what I'm about. I yeah. like things that are you know very unless you're atmosp- drunk. Well, right. Well, if you're drunk with a group of friends, that's a different story. Yeah, but, absolutely. But personally, you know, if I'm looking for something in, in you know, the, the horror kind of genre, I want something that's, you know, atmospheric, psychological, like, really... Character-driven. Yeah, but that kind of just, like, gets under your skin a little bit. I don't want... Yes. I don't want to be afraid of this, like, supernatural boogeyman with a knife, like... I want you to make me feel unsettled. Yes. And this uh, is that kind of movie. Because uh, there is not a jump scare in this movie. How refreshing is that? <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I This is my challenge to any would-be horror filmmakers out there. Watch your movie with no soundtrack. If you can't jump scare me... Without a uh, audio cue, you can't. You're not doing it right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I I will absolutely. fight anyone on that. Audio is not your crutch. Stop using it as such. It's supposed to be an enhancer, not the thing itself. Like, yes. if, you, if what you're doing can't visually scare me without you like jolting my ears, get the hell out of here. Right? Because you know the jump scare always felt like a cheat. Like it's like it, it's like uh you know tickling you to make you laugh at a joke like that's just cheating well, right and and there's definitely there's appropriate places for jump scares i surprisingly i'm actually like 
uh, a, a fan probably more of horror video games than I am of uh, necessarily a lot of horror films. And there's a lot of jump scares and stuff in that, but it's because, like, they're not auditorily done, and they know you're so visually focused on this thing that it works really well. And it's done in a way where it's not like, this jump scare is meant to, like, oh, now you're in peril. Like, no, it's meant to unsettle you because there's something else out there that you need to be worried about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but honestly, well, I also want to know, because you actually said you saw this in theaters. I didn't. I actually caught this on Netflix uh, about a year ago, because you actually recommended it to me, because I'm like, oh, Sean, I'm looking for a really creepy, slow-burn horror movie for Halloween, because we the wife and I were just having like a real quiet stay-at-home uh, Halloween that year, because COVID was not COVID. our friend. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was COVID. Uh, so I'm like, and you recommended this, and I'm like, oh really? Because I'd seen the poster, I'd seen the pro- pro- uh, the the trailers, and I just wasn't impressed. Because like all the stuff that I had seen was, you know, it looked kind of like Blair Witch, and you know, Sinister, and uh, The Conjuring, and all that stuff. Just it, like, look, I'll probably watch those movies eventually, but for the most part, most modern horror movies just don't really grasp me the same way that they do in like this they did in the 70s and 80s uh and uh, you know a couple have like i I really love the babadook and uh i really liked uh uh um oh god what was it uh i kind of like don't breathe as like a b movie sort of thing but really there wasn't just hasn't been a lot of really good horror stuff and then you put me onto this i'm like and uh i was expecting you know just like a very simple movie, but yeah, popping that movie in like 10 minutes in, holy shit. I was like, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in for something good. Uh, I watched it by myself, which was kind of a mistake. Cause that was really unsettling <laughs> at the end. Uh, and then I watched it with the wife on Halloween and we, we had a blast and she really loved it because she's actually into like the pagan lore and the history of witchcraft and whatnot. So she really loved it. For any first-timers, if you're going to watch this movie, here's a recommendation if you haven't seen it. Start the movie at, like, sunset or twilight and don't have the lights on. So that as the movie progresses, it gets darker where you are. And if you really need, and if it's if you live like a, uh, if, if it's like a really rainy, overcast day out, even better... But if you really do like need to not trip over shit, um, don't turn on any lights, but just light one or two candles. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a real trip, man. Cause, uh, uh, yeah, cause like I said, I I remember the poster. It's not the one that uh, I'm using on the cover of what you're listening to, like in the YouTube or uh, the. Uh, 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 spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to this um the artwork that i'm putting up on where the poster is uh yeah that's not the poster that i saw that's the good poster in my opinion (laughs) because it looks like a no it seriously it looks like a a play uh bill you know well but (laughs) and or like a the the inside of a cover of a of a book that this would be based on yes you know 
because uh, uh, all the posters and all the marketing, this movie was so poorly marketed, which is probably why I didn't go see it the first time but see, uh, in theaters. Like, you, you say it was poorly marketed, but, you know, I was turned on to it by a friend of mine who is a horror fanatic, but also while he's a fanatic, he has very good taste in what is good horror. Like he'll ah, watch, good. he'll watch mediocre horror, but he has, ex and actually he has joined us before. He joined us on the Mortal Kombat commentary, oh, our friend Sam, Sam Audio Flash. So he turned yeah. me on to this and I was like, yeah, let's go see it in theaters. Like he's recommended this movie. And do you know what my instant takeaway was? Like, I mean, I was hooked from the beginning, but I, like, honestly, within 20 minutes, I was just like, who is this actress and why haven't I seen her before? Right. Well, it turns all, out because well, now this she's really what, recognizable. Right, this is what started the career of Anya Taylor Joy, and thank God, because amazing, amazing, um, fantastic <laughs> breakout performance, and also Robert Edgers as the uh, writer director of this man. Like, what a what a first home run, man. Because honestly, this feels like he he honestly is well. He's first off, he's clearly a student of Kubrick like many great modern film directors are. Uh, but it's just so nuts that this is his first film because this feels like it was made by a, uh, another filmmaker who has been making movies for a long time and well, is at the top of his game. Well, right. And when you you know you start looking into the, the nitty-gritty details of this and you realize you know it's done in an older aspect ratio that's not as commonly used but is oh, more i love but that is more universal for how you know theaters and stages have been set up in the past yes or, yes it's, or it's some, closer to that golden ratio right or you know such little things as oh no for certain segments he the the frames per second are sped up but only by like three extra ones so it's subtle enough that you're not really going to catch it but it's going to add to that unease. It's oh, going to yeah. add to I, that, like, something's off. I really love when uh, filmmakers screw around with that. Uh, just tiny little things to make you uneasy or uh, to provide this almost hyper-expressionist realism, you know? Uh, like, I remember, uh, uh, you know some sh sequences that i know like for, in, for instance like uh, brian De, De palma uh the ending of carrie you know minor spoilers but that end sequence that was you know very dreamlike they shot that in reverse so it felt mm. even more strange and whatnot so i love it when filmmakers you know run things in reverse uh do mess with the shutter speed or uh play with the uh uh, uh the uh, the speed of the uh, the actual film, either right, undercranking or right, overcranking. The whole thing is there's all sorts of these little tricks of the trade that really can heighten a horror film. And I think the 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 the, the fulcrum of what we're getting at is these are tricks that are not done on the computer. No, no, the, it is 100% in the edit. Exactly. Well, it's in the edit, and it's in it's in the the film making itself process. You know. And yeah. I think that is is very important because, you know, I, I, kind of what we're harking back to before, I think a lot of modern horror films have started relying too much on computer-generated graphics. You know, that's why um, I really appreciate it. I understand it's comedic horror, but, you know, when they did the, um, you know, the Ash vs. Evil Dead TV series not long ago, 
I love the fact that as often and as much as possible, they're like practical effects, practical effects, practical effects. Yes. Because yes. though, I mean, you're always going to have a better time with practical effects than special effects. Now, I'm it's not just, saying it's more you can't blend them together because there's definitely times where you can do some really cool stuff and that blending is awesome. But, I mean, if you're just ignoring practical effects for special effects, you're you're wasting everyone's time. Yeah, yeah. Although, it's funny that you mentioned that, yeah, that kind of stuff is in the edit and there's no real special effects or visual effects really to be needed to pull off that that kind of sense of unease or that kind of effect on the mind uh and that's funny because how <laughs> this is an entirely other podcast but i love 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 the fact that people are so out of tune with that even in the academy that tenant got uh christopher nolan's tenant actually got nominated for an academy award for best visual effects when 99% of the effects was just the editing. Well, I mean, there you go, though. <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, that's going to be a whole other podcast. But anyway, uh, are, are there any other things you want to say before we get rolling? Cause, uh, I, I, I think we've, we've done a fairly solid introduction here. Awesome. Well, in, that, in that case, I be, now, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, the the film is available on uh, Netflix, isn't it? I am not aware of where it's streaming right now, but I could find out. <laughs> but it uh, might not you, be streaming there by the time you get around to listening to this. So that's that's always <laughs> true because the streaming wars are always always ongoing. But uh, um, it so it, I I actually saw this last year as of the, this recording on Netflix, but who knows. Um, but either way, if you have like a cop, pick up a, you know what, just pick up a copy of the Blu-ray because uh, damn it, films like this need to be supported, right? Right now, I think it's only on, uh, I think it's on, uh, Fubo Showtime? and Canopy. Okay. Okay. Well, you, I know. Oh, oh no. And, no. And, and Showtime and DirecTV, like. It's on. Several. You know what? I, you know, truth be told, I should I, th I should say that uh, anytime we start one of these is like the internet is a vast place. Look, There's always going to be a streaming place for something like this. Right. And, and let, let, let me be honest. Uh, we have no sponsorships of any kind, so obviously this is not promoted. Just go to justwatch.com. Type in whatever you're looking for. It'll tell you if it's streaming on something you have. Yeah. Or if, like I said, if anything. Pick up a copy of the Blu-ray because holy shit, this movie is amazing, and masterclass filmmaking needs to be supported like this. Right, you know, add or, this to your library, you, or if you could find, you know, a digital copy that also has, this, uh, you know, the special features. That's too. I understand a lot of people have done away with physical media, which is fine. But you know, if you want to, you know, do something to throw some support out there and also get the 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 nice special features, absolutely. That special these uh, I, I've been saying this for a long time. The special features on that second DVD Blu-ray bonus disc—that's your film school. Oh Seriously. gosh, I the I know people working in the industry, and it's hilarious how many of them are just like can list the movies. That's like just watch the special features on these movies, and that's film school. Like you don't that, need to go to film school for real. Buy these five DVDs, watch their special features. 
Don't then we get then yeah then get a hold of a camera and a small crew of your friends and make something whatever it is just make something preferably That's not slackers <laughs> <laughs> maybe clerks but not slackers <laughs> all right so if you got so hopefully by now you uh, after us talking all about this you got a copy, it's queued up, and you're ready to go, because we've got a copy, it's queued up, and ready to watch, so hold on to your hats, because here we go, in three, two, one, click. And, of course, one of my favorite, favorite studios right now, A-fucking-24, man. Yeah, um... My the God, these the, guys are... Well, the these kind guys of are stuff, kind of the, uh... What, go ahead. Well, the yeah. kind of stuff A-24 is putting out now is like, Oh, it's like Focus when Focus was good. Or, uh, actually, you know what it really reminds me of? United Artists. From yeah, but, but I don't know that United Artists, I know that I would ever call it like, so much independent as just British. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they had quite a bit of independent stuff like that. They were the ones who financed Rocky. You know? I mean, I'm, right, I'm not saying that they didn't do independent stuff, but it was also just much more like, hey, we're British. <laughs> okay. Even though it was, you know, founded in America. Just yeah, but look, I just, all you want. I just really, really miss the... I, I, just from a producer standpoint, I miss UA. That's all I'm saying. But here we got our title, and I love... Immediately, I love the music. Seriously. And, you know, the fact that they went with the VV, because that is... W was not yes. common in that period of time. Yes. Uh, oh, and you know what? You know what's another really great aspect of this movie? Not just the shape of the movie, but I, I, for some reason, I just love it when the very opening shot of a movie, when it just goes from black and cuts, and it's a portrait of our main character. I don't know why, but I yeah. really, really love it when movies do that. You know? Ugh, the Puritans. Uh, right, but, but okay, I, I want you to think about this. This guy is such, is such a Puritan. He's like, you Puritans aren't pure enough for my Puritanism. See, I think it was when uh, I popped this in, the wife was like, ugh, Christians? Why? <laughs> the, and not just any Christians, the Puritans, the worst ones. Well, Ugh. well, and look, spoiler alert, which I'm, if you're watching this, flabbergasted. For, look, if yeah. you're watching this for the first time with us, I'm so sorry. You should have watched this before with our, with our commentary. Yeah. But what I love is even here from the very beginning, it's, this is his hubris. This is his sin. It's his arrogance here. And they're even calling him out on it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the whole point is like the one person, you know, the main protagonist who the opening shot was, you know, Th Thomason, Thomason. As you just here. Um, she is constantly the one being accused of failing and witchcraft and all this stuff. Uh, she's actually doing nothing wrong. And it's every single other person around her. Who are the ones sinning, but put, trying to put all the blame for the wrongs on her. Wow, what a douche. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's, that's you know, the entire, uh, that that's what you see, the this, this entire movie. It's every person has their own, 
you know, the, these faults. She's literally just trying to live well and as she should, and everyone else's sins are being thrown at her. And it's you get to watch those cracks in their character just grow and erode into gi giant chasms of which and they fall into their own. The abyss. music! The music! Yeah. Oh my gosh! This is how you do good horror music! Wait. And just the bill. And I also really love how it does this thing. Well, well, first off, this shot here, this looks like a painting. Yeah. You know, a lot of these shots really well, look a lot and, like painting. And that's just it. This this film did as much as it could to use natural light, to not ha not use artificial lighting if, it, if at all possible. Yeah, which is a really smart idea. I think uh, I think Robert Edgers was uh, watching Barry Lyndon and being like, ooh, I can probably fucking do that. Right, but, I, I mean, at the same time, uh, if you think about it, if you're going to make a period piece, that's the genius. Like, make yes. it look like the period. Yes, yes. Because uh, when you have it lit by natural candlelight, it just adds so much to that atmosphere. And, my God, that atmosphere with the music. Because that's another thing that I think, you know, he was taking from Kubrick is the... Uh, the really creepy choir music from 2001. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I feel like if Kubrick was alive today to see this, he would have been really, really impressed by this movie, I think. Because... Well, I mean... Uh, yes? Kubrick adapted one of the, you know, most beloved Stephen King film adaptations of all time. And Stephen King watched this movie and was like, that creeped me the fuck out. Yes, yes, I remember. You, when it, you know it's good when Stephen King's like, yeah, this movie's fucking terrifying. I kind of, I, I think that was uh, similar to what happened that made me want to go see The Babadook. Because William Friedkin was like, yeah, The Babadook was like one of the first horror movies that, uh, of these this new generation that legit scared me. Which I'm like, ooh, if, if Friedkin was creeped out by it. I gotta check this out, man. So I guess a lot of people. I guess there were probably a lot of people who read that tweet by Stephen King were like, "Really, Stephen King thought this was creepy? Cool, let's go check it out." And also, can we just fucking appreciate that this is using the authentic syntax of the time throughout the well, whole movie? Well, not only that, but you know they the director dug through the historical records and journals and stuff to try and portray like the incidents in this movie as closely to actual incidents that were recorded in history, whether or not they actually happened, but ones that were accused or purported to have happened. It, it, it's, it's striving. Uh, this is something that I really love that uh, period pieces do any period piece, not just war films, but uh, they strive for, not exactly accuracy, but they strive for the authenticity. Yeah. You know? And this part, this this is where you really get set in to how fucking creepy this is. Oh. Right, but, like, look at the distance. Like. Yeah. How? How? And you just have the, these two, but here's what's so interesting. There's two little rustles that are so far apart that they yeah. couldn't have been caused by the same thing. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, um, that's super creepy, isn't it? 
But right but, there and then, that should give you the cue of what you're, what kind of movie you're in for. And so something here that, um, you know, if you're not familiar with the the prejudices and things of the time, uh, there was this belief that the fat from an unbaptized child, particularly a male, was mixed with herbs and other things to provide the flying ointment that witches use to be able to have their broomsticks or themselves fly. Yeah. So like, there's literally a reason like this, that they chose a sequence here. Yeah. But like, if you don't know that they don't explain it to you. So it's still super creepy, but if you actually, the the fact that it's rooted in the history is right. And it's like, if you know that history, it's even more like, Oh my God. And see, now it's like a mortar pestle kind of thing. Like, she's clearly making something from it. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's like that don't, ointment. Don't you Don't you love that? I love it when the music is blended with the actual... Di- with, when the diegetic and the non-diegetic sound blend. Because I honestly don't know if this tapping sound is coming from her churning the right. potion. Or if it's just part of the soundtrack. Right? I don't know. And that's super, super creepy. And I love it. And so you see her rubbing it on her her stick. Like. Yeah. You know, a real testament to this movie is that it really captures the feeling of uh, Francisco de Goya's uh, black paintings that he Mm. did later in his life. Because this shit is just... I can totally see, like, Goya's artwork being uh, in a gallery with this music playing. also love that silhouette. It almost looks like an owl. Right. And, like, you're not even sure. It's like, is that her flying? Like, obviously now, like, yeah, for sure. But, like, when you first watch it, like, I don't know what exactly is that. Like... Oh, man. (laughs) Ambiguity. And... Ambiguity in horror movies are is really a lost art, isn't it? Yeah. Because people forget that the ambiguity can be the horror. Yeah. Well, it's that that whole adage of like you're not afraid of the dark. It's like you're not afraid of being alone in the dark. You're afraid you're not alone. It's that. Yes. Ambi- it's, that, it's the unknown that yes. you're afraid of. Yes. Absolutely. And here, yet again, the demonstration. Oh yeah! He, like here's his sin. He is he is lustful. Like, mm-hmm. which and, okay, you know, I, I use sin loosely here by Puritanism definitions because yes, <laughs> yes, it's 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 an adolescent boy. What the hell do you expect? Mm-hmm. Although, for me, that was a really really creepy at first because I actually thought Thomason was part of the family, but. It was later on through the dialogue, like, oh, no, wait, no, she's just, like, a girl that's with them. Like, those two are not blood. Which makes, which I'm like, that was super creepy. Why did, why was, well, at least that's what I thought it was in first. Are you sure? Because I never got the impression that she wasn't part of the family. I think they're entirely siblings. I think, think about it. You're a horny teenage male and you just don't have other options. (sighs) Ugh. I, I I forgot. I'm not saying not it's not creepy. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I guess that is one more way to make this this whole this whole thing uh, this whole movie super fucked up and cool. You know what also really strikes me? This movie. Oh, I apparently this was like a four million dollar movie. This is a super cheap movie. But oh, how fucking cool is it that it's this effective? Well, not only that, I mean, super cheap movie shot in twenty five days. You are on your game if you can knock out a movie in twenty five days. Oh hell, you it'll pro well yeah. I mean, if if principal photography lasts that long, like pre production and post production probably would have been another three months altogether so this a movie like this made in like six months is mind-boggling yeah god uh I, I you know as a matter of fact i think uh um robert edgars because he was so into this kind of weird early colonialistic you know legends and fairy tales and whatnot uh he actually had a whole bunch of other stuff that he wanted to pitch but it was apparently it was like too weird so he tried to get something conven more conventional to kind of get his foot in the door to make something. And this is the result. But uh, can, can we talk yeah. about for a minute, like what? Ralph Innocent's voice and how much perfect casting it is to have a man. Oh, my God. With you're this absolutely voice? Right. Yes. Because he, he has that like really, you know, raspy Yorkshire ex Yorkshire quality to his voice, which which sounds so convincing. And that's the other thing. Because this movie is so simple, can you imagine if someone... I, I really hope someone does for, like, a Halloween thing. But uh, I'm really hoping that someone adapts this uh, as, a, uh, as a play. Like a stage play. I mean, it, it could be done. But again, you have the really creepy strings going on here. Yes. Look at that musket. <laughs> right? That's a beautiful antique. Beautiful prop. Man, can we appreciate how hard it must have been to get the right kind of light? Because, the, like I said, they're using very natural lighting to uh, photograph inside a cabin with light bleeding in through it. And right? you're still able to make out their face. That's super hard. Right, and I mean, and even, you know, they're using as much natural light as possible, but whatever other light they might be using, you can't notice it, like, no, at all. No, no. And, of course, you know, we, we mentioned uh, Ralph Ennison and Anya Taylor-Joy's performances. They, they are probably the standout ones, but honestly, I really don't think Katie Dickey is uh, the, the wife that has, gets enough praise, because... Uh She's the one that I really feel for in this movie. I mean, I, like, I don't know. I feel very bad for, for Tomlinson just because what what does she do? But She's just a witness, honestly. Right. But what I will say is, is that I don't think anyone in this movie does a bad job. No. No, no, no. Even the kid. Uh, who... Dude, even all, even the, all, all, the other kids. All the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. I guess that really just stems that there's a really, really talented dude behind the camera. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like this guy is, 
the probably one of the better new talents of today. Uh, uh, did you see the lighthouse? I'm curious. I have not yet. I haven't either because I it's definitely on. It's been on my list because I hear Robert Pattinson and uh, William Free, uh, William Defoe are freaking fantastic in that movie. Uh, and and of course I'm also really excited to see what he does with his new epic called The Northman, which apparently is uh, mm -hmm. work he's working on now. So, yeah, anything that Robert Edgers works on, I'm here for. You know, that's this is another thing that this movie is really good at. Providing empathy for these peoples that are so blinded by faith. Right. Because I think it's all in the eyes and their performance. You, you, have, you weirdly have empathy for these people. You know? Right. But, well, but, and... Know. Yes. I don't know. I also, like... The religious fervor here I find very interesting because, you know, as somebody who has a, a decent depth of knowledge of, you know, Christian faith and the Bible and all this, uh, I always kind of lo love the fact that these people are freaking out over, oh my gosh, like I'm a sinner, will I go to hell? It's like, well, you know, a sinner who asks for forgiveness, as in the thief on the cross is the only person Christ promised paradise to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're a repentant sinner, I think you're all right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, it's that kind of little shit that's so unsettling. Right. They never, you never do that anymore. Where it's, because uh, um, probably one of the most powerful things you can use in a horror movie aren't necessarily you know disturbing images or imagery but something you can get that's even more powerful are the reactions to those things like lingering reaction shots and the very powerful shot reverse shot effect in horror shot reverse shot in horror is almost like a lost art these days you know, get that rabbit, get that rabbit. Oh, <laughs> didn't load it quite right. Well, Possibly, but also, again, something that, how, how this movie pays off, um, hares were thought to be agents of witches, and that witches could turn into hares during this time. Oh, so, so maybe you, it was like a little bit of a spell. That both well, right, like, was that the witch? Was it not? Like, you don't know. Again, ambiguity, ambiguity. once again. Yes. Uh, although, I really love how they photograph those hairs. 
you know? Yeah. Because it's so, cause, you know, if it's photographed wrong, it could come off as, oh, hey, cute bunny. But when you have these, you know, hyper, uh, r almost haggard uh, fur on top, along with these very unwieldy, otherworldly, almost like a goat's eyes uh, with, with that effect, like, that makes the rabbit so much creepier. And speaking of goats, the Black Phillip. Yeah, wasn't it apparently like uh, a bitch and a half to train that goat on set? Because I, I remember reading up somewhere that uh, he's like, yeah, like he's like, oh, oh, was there any like weird things that happened in this movie? Like, was there any creepy things? He's like, no, not really. W what about the animals? Were they hard to work with? Oh, well, you know, it's just like the an all of them were pretty easy to train, but that goat was a real bastard. <laughs> That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> Damn, she's really cracking the whip. Yeah, and it's, uh, and again, like, you're the mom. I understand you're in mourning, but like, you can't expect your daughter to, to deal with the everything. your kids. Yeah. Shut up, Thomas. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. I'm telling you, with this kind of syntax and the fact that it's so simple and takes place mostly in one location, this this really could easily be a play, a stage production. Like, I even had this cool idea of when the baby snatched, um, they just placed, like, a little baby doll uh, in, like, the uh, uh, thing of blankets. But then they have underneath the stage pull someone pull the baby into the sheets as Thomason's got his eyes closed so it disappears. Like, how cool would that be, you know? Like, just... I feel like this would be a really great stage production. I would love to see someone try to adapt this. I'd adapt it myself, but I don't know. Sadly, most of the theater people that I met in college are, have scattered long into the winds or are no longer theater people just because... Well, well yeah, mean, the 2020s have just been a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew I, I had some friends who went to New York and like did not as actors, but like did work on Broadway for a while. But you know, that's uh, a lot of them end up finding something else to do. Yeah, you know, a lot of people tend to. I've seen some critics uh, complain that, oh man, this this film is really drab looking, like the color a little. They're Puritans. Well, the well, I mean, the the color is a little bit more too sucked out. Which, but you're right. I totally, I'm not quite with that. I've always felt that the the desaturated looks of this film fit because you're right. They're Puritans. They, the 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 color is kind of sucked out of this place. Uh, 
but the the cool thing is is that to me it always uh it, uh because it's so low colored and a lot of the in a lot of these shots the weather is overcast and never sunny um very very diffused lighting natu diffused natural lighting i always get that impression that it's very cold out well yeah and that's just it they're heading into winter it's fall it's fall in new england like guess what overcast is normal yeah well i'm just saying the images it makes me colder than what probably is actually presented on screen. If you, do you get what I mean? Like the visual color palette and the tones, it makes me feel cold. Like if I were to, if I feel like if I were uh, to step in that water there, I feel like it would be ice cold. Yeah. But that's just me. Um, and in a weird way, I think that suits the story. I do like how uh, Thomason handles this bit here. She's freaked out now. Oh, I'd shut her up. <laughs> Was it, though? You know, that, that that's something that I always thought was interesting, is that, you know, this movie really does suggest that Maybe there is some all logical explanation and that these people are just, you know, don't have any understanding of what the, the, the same kind of understanding that we do nowadays. But I'm curious, Sean, outside of the obvious supernatural stuff that they talk about and what's presented, is there an element of actual supernatural stuff going on or is a lot of it in the, just these characters' minds? Um, 
I mean, there lies the question. As I said, they're they're they take they take this story from recorded stuff in the uh, in, in his in the historic record. Like, through journals, through things that were written down during that time about purported witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, who's to say whether this was supernatural, whether it was superstition? Uh, you know, it could be both. It could be, you know, simply one or the other. Um, but, you know, I think that's... Uh, that's truth that's be told... Yeah, sorry, I, I, sorry. I'm just. Uh, I think that's what what makes the whole thing interesting. However, um, I think this goes back to my point, though. Whether or not you want to believe in superstition or something else, obviously there has to be a level of superstition because of what happens to the boy. I would say yes. But uh, like you know, so not superstition, but uh, a level of the fantastical of the wickedness, whatever going on. But at the end of the day, the real point is is that. The people who are falling, who are succumbing to the evil, are succumbing to it from their own sins, their own wickedness. That is what's leading them into their destruction. Like, yes, the baby was innocent, so that's negated. But, you know, it's like, right here, the mom is just wants to accuse her of thievery that has not happened. Yeah. And it's, but why, why is she getting accused of this? Oh, because, you know, the other people are lying. A lot of he said, she said crap bullshit going right. on. Right. And where the, de uh, where the father just wants to live, you know, independently on his own. You know, actually, I wonder how many of them are there? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven. six of them. There's well, there were seven if you include the baby. Oh, man. You know what would have been a really interesting... Just because of how you mentioned how each of their downfalls is very loosely based on their sins. Man, how fucking perfect would it have been if that when the, each of them was tied to one of the seven deadly sins? Yeah, I think I just, I mean, it, it, yeah, that could have been cool, but it would also be a lot more difficult with the uh, Puritanism it, time frame. And, yeah, it would have been difficult to and, interweave and, uh, and, and, into and it. And why add to that? It's, it's really not necessary because, again, the historical record is so rich to provide what we get here. Very true. Very true. I mean, think about this. You're living in this time without, you know, like... There's no electricity. There's no internet. Like, there's no wide awareness of this stuff. Of course, superstition is going to go on. Of course, it's going to be. Yeah. See again, the hair, possibly a yeah. witch. Like. But man, seriously, the way they photograph the the hair. Is right, and so it's like crucial. then you end up with like the the cursed cattle, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but how again, the, the black Philip. Right, but apparent. with all of this, it, yeah. it works if you're a layman, but it is so much more layered and nuanced if you're not. Yeah, if you're familiar with this stuff, it's so much more interesting. That's probably why the wife really dug this movie. Uh, she, because again, she is into the the kind of history and uh, the the 
the lore and of, and of course just because let's be honest that climax to us millennial most millennials that's like well shit that just looks like a good time on a friday night <laughs> 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 Yeah, man, the can I don't really. I really want to know how he did some of these uh, natural lighting lit candle scenes, and you know, still made it legible because, well, we all remember the uh, catastrophe of the Battle of Winterfell last year, or uh, no, 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 two years uh, ago. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, you have to know your lenses and play with them and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, using a little extra tricks like bouncing the light and things like that to help flesh out okay. just a little and, bit more. And and this right here, it's like, oh, we're in these circumstances to humble us. Well, had you humbled yourself to before the judge, you wouldn't be in these circumstances. Well, I also really uh, love the fact that, uh, you know, because especially in most modern movies, not just horror movies, but movies in general, there's always so much coverage that these pe that uh, film productions tend to use where we have to cut from over the shoulder, back and forth, shot, reverse shot, this and that. This scene takes mostly place in one shot. How yeah. nice is that? But I, get, I, I suspect that it's because this movie was such a, a tight production. Still, I think Robert Edgers was an absolute genius to, to start off like this. Because, you know, if you have, like, ambition and you have some really interesting or really weird ideas that might not take a footing, I'm amazed that he was able to make... Not just a conventional film, but also a, per a more personal one. But it has a, such a level of craft that you're like, we are going to keep an eye on you for the rest of your career. Right. Well, you know, honestly, it reminds me, you, know, you want to talk about strong first films. I think it's probably the strongest first film I've seen from an independent director since Pi. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And I still haven't actually sat down and watched that one. I need to. I really do. I'm trying to think of some of the other really strong opening ones. That, uh... Oh, man. I can't, I can't really think of any, like, breakout uh, directorial debuts that really grabbed me. But, I don't know. I'm probably just blanking because, again, this movie is just so gorgeous to look at. I forgot because I remember they had the uh, the goat, the pig, and the chickens, and uh, some of the the cattle. But do you remember what happens to the horse? Or doesn't it doesn't it just like run off or something? Because I forgot they <laughs> I straight up forgot they had the horse. 
man, those strings, I tell you what. And I love the fact that it's like they always associate it with going out into the woods. Yes, yes. Hey, brace of conies. We're having some stew. I wonder if they mat the uh, the fur of the the that rabbit because again there's just something weird the way they photograph that thing. And this is why you wear a helmet when you ride a horse. Never learned that trick. I don't know what it is, but there's something weirdly just unsettling about a child with a giant firearm lost in the woods and scared helpless. I mean, I think you could have just stopped that there's something unsettling of a child with a giant firearm. Yeah, really. Oh, not the dog. And that's the moment where John Wick was born. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's nice to see that she woke up fairly, fairly well and often... Not with like a giant bruiser gash on her head. Yeah, but like, see, th this is the problem. It's like, okay, he's lost. They've lost the horse. They were trying to. None of this would have happened had the mom not been being like so wicked yeah we need to send her away i'm so mad like just just full of blame and all this stuff and it's like it was yep. out of fear of what she was gonna do but they don't want to recognize any of that they just want to put all the blame on you know her on thomason because she's the one that's gonna come back yep that's the that's really the uh what the the driving character study in this is that 
everyone it has at the beginning of the movie just a tiny little character crack and as the movie progresses we get to just well, but, see that crack but again i don't i don't their... really see that you know i mean thomason's only character crack is that she's trying to be helpful and that, well, you know you could argue except for thomason but because she's ridiculed and pushed around and drove to the edge she becomes she ironically becomes exactly what the family feared she would right but but it's because of what they do yes yes it's a lot like carrie in that respect yeah yeah uh but uh but yeah i I always saw that uh the for the rest of the characters it was all about seeing that they all had their own little character cracks and throughout the progress of the movie slowly have those cracks right. widen and rip and, open and they're like, consumed into the abyss of their own making. If, if this I can, is creepy. Yes, but like if I had come back and explained that situation after like having hit my head like exactly what had happened and what the impetus was behind it as in, you know, you know, we heard the mom, all this stuff. Like, my mom, like any good parent would not have doubled down on being an asshole, but the mom does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> This is so cool. <laughs> this is, and also, oh, this is definitely another beat taken from Kubrick that I can see. It's very similar to the uh, the scene in the Overlook Hotel where Jack finds the uh, the lady in the in the bathroom, enticed by a really sexy yeah. lady. Then a kiss Dude. forms, and it turns into like this yeah. ugly old haggard witch thing. Oh, that's cool. Love it. Yeah. Love like, it. It's, oof. Oh, you've got to really, uh, I bet that kid was probably really happy about that take. Just like, <laughs> I get to I get to have a, a nice kiss with a really, with a gorgeous woman <laughs> on camera. That's really cool. <laughs> You know, I also really love the blocking of this scene here. It just hit me that they literally have her pushed into a corner. Yep. Although I kind of wish that uh, um, they spaced it out so it's the entire family in the back. Uh, just those two shots back and forth. 
so that it's so you can really feel like it's the entire family against Thomason. Once again, letting his pride get the better of him. And again, the annoying Puritanism, it's like, oh my gosh, someone did something wrong, so it's all, that's why we're suffering. Like, stop blaming and do something already. Right? Still, what I really just, I don't know if it's, if it's me, but, and, and it just might be the syntax, and because I'm so used to seeing, you know, Shakespeare on the stage. Uh, but I, man, I really feel like this would be an amazing, amazing theater production. And I, I don't know even, I, I feel like, uh, uh, that weirdly enough there, even their performances feel more suited to the, uh, the theater than film. Uh, that's not a criticism at all, but, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, it's just that, uh, in order for a lot of the dialogue to become believable, you do have to play it up a little bit, so you really understand the tone, right? You know? and, and that's that's you know sometimes the difficulty of period dialogue. Yes, yes, especially uh, when it's played this straight. Oh, I love this this shot here. Because any cinematographer will tell you that. One of the hardest things to really get uh, visually right is rain. Oh, what do they do to him? And on, and you know what I really love, even though I've seen this movie like twice already. I still have no idea what the hell those witches did to him. And that just fucking terrifies me. Yep. And... You know, I'm, I'm actually just because it's kind of in the same period and it's on a slightly similar but not really subject. But uh, can you imagine if The Crucible was shot this way? <sighs> yeah, because have you uh, seen the film adaptation of The Crucible? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super good. 
I'm uh, a, I mean, it's, I'm, it's hard to go wrong when John Proctor is played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Right, and, and the the reason I've seen it is because I'm a big Daniel Day-Lewis fan. So. Oh, yeah. I, I actually saw it in high school because uh, we were actually reading it for our I literature mean, class. Shots like that of just the father looking, oh my gosh. Just, yeah, yeah. And, by the way, for anyone who has ever dealt with chopping wood by hand it's uh it's oh yeah but the insanity of doing it in the rain because your wood gets soggy this becomes very hard and the fact that it's raining and he's splitting him like that this is a demonstration of how frustrated and angry and enraged this man is yeah Well, not yet. Oh, man, that's so good. <laughs> Again, you just creepy. don't know. Yeah, it's so creepy. You just don't know. Is that is that goat just kind of sick? But yeah, it's also all in the timing. And you also have to wonder, though, like, how many times did it take to get that shot right with the kids there and with the way they had Black Phillip looking, like, yeah, almost, yeah. In, like, insinuating? Yes, yes. But, uh, again, one of the most crucial elements in any horror movie, it's your reaction shots. It's not the... It's not the, the shot of the blood dripping or the scary entity lurking in the shadows. It's the character's reactions that you want to linger on. And, and it's usually even better if you focus on them with utmost silence. You know, just casually sell off the one of the kids. A very astute question because I still don't know what what she really wants to do other than just to shift the blame.
Yeah. So, yes. Something that uh, should be mentioned because this is often glossed over in American history. Yes. Uh, it's not really that the Puritans were trying to so much uh, leave England for a new land. It's that the English were like GTFO. Yeah. Yeah. Like the English did not want the Puritans because they were that annoyed. And when you're so annoyed, when you are so like uptight that the English are like, get out. Wow. I guess in a weird way, you could kind of see, you know, women like this. They were the, uh, the ancestors of the Karen. <laughs> I'm actually going to, I'll say, I'm going to have to make that post later on. <laughs> oh, shit. But you know, what's the other thing a lot of people don't really talk about the production design of this movie. It's, it really blows my mind how, how quickly you could build this kind of a thing. Uh, and keep it utmost, uh, keep the utmost sense of authenticity. Because, uh, you know, you could easily build something like this for, you know, less than, uh, this would probably, uh, this, the whole production design probably would have cost maybe $750,000 at the very most. Which that's not bad at all for a film like this. No. Although I do remember re hearing that uh, the costume designer wanted a little bit more leeway, but I still think they got away with something truly sp special. This is where we need a, a straight-up exorcism. This is where the movie gets really intense. It's been a really slow burn so far, but this is where it finally, like, launches. Because uh, it's got, like, a really... Everyone always says, oh, this movie's got, like, a really slow, kind of boring first act. But uh, the second and third act, my God. Well, that's just it. I mean, like, here we are, two-thirds of the way of the movie. And at this point, it just, it just flies. It just goes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. And there it is. It's yep. an apple like he had lied about. Yep.
You know what really blows my mind? Uh, the kid playing uh, Caleb. Uh, his name's Harvey uh, Scrimshaw. This isn't his first movie. He's been in a couple of shorts, but uh, honestly, from uh, this perform this, I think this is like his second or third film. But my God, <laughs> this sequence where you're like, "Wow, kid, you're going places." <laughs> And again, something here, if you know the historic lore, it is said that witches could not recite the Lord's Prayer. That they could not recite the whole thing. They were unable to. So at this point, you are seeing that those kids are, in fact, witches at this point. And it's really not so much based in the... uh the the logic of what's going on because you really don't know whether it's in these people's minds or if there's something truly evil driving this scene well Uh, no i i think look the whole point is that yes something evil is driving it but you don't know how much is also steeped in their minds because who really knows but it doesn't matter because they know how to really build the how what an assault on your senses this scene is. As a matter of fact, I can kind of see a little bit of uh, uh, Friedkin inspired in this scene. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm even looking at your face and you're just like, holy shit. It, it's it's such an intense scene and it's, it's The way so that they play visceral. that in just one close-up. All in one close-up. It's, 
you know, honestly, if this if this was made in like the nineties or like hell, this if this was made in even in the seventies, I guarantee you that kid would have gotten an Oscar nomination. <laughs> Just for that one one shot. I'm actually kind of shocked that there were no uh, Best Supporting Actors uh, nominated uh, for this movie. I don't think this film got the attention it should have from the Academy. No, no, it didn't. I mean, a lot of the uh, uh, you know film critics, they loved it. Like, all oh, the, yeah. the, uh, the, the critics, they, they, they freaking loved it. And uh, another thing that I and think kind of hurt it... Uh, at least awards-wise. I mean, it really didn't do so otherwise. Uh, but it was released in uh, mid-February. Wow. So this is, like, right around the time where they're gearing up for the Oscars show and the last place you would ever want to release a movie for the Oscars. If you want to uh, win a, an Oscar, you usually want to uh, release it around Christmas time. Yeah. November, December is the Oscar bait time. Yep, yep. Otherwise, uh, it takes quite a bit. It, it really, you really got to blow someone away to get nominated for uh, an Oscar and, and just well, about at any you, other time. Well, and you also have to campaign. Yes. Yeah. Which, in all fairness, this movie just did not have the money. <laughs> no. I mean, it, it never was set out to be anyway, which, uh, which is just fine. But, oh, man. Although it would have been amazing if uh, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, uh, yeah, Anya Taylor Joy got a nomination. Uh, yeah, but you know, I think the uh, yes. Here we are, six years later, and this movie fully holds up. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Seriously, there's there's other movies that you know uh, uh, that were like really fun the first time when you saw it in theaters, and then a few years pass, and it's just like. Eh. But no, I I actually suspect this one is going to be a horror classic in the decades to come. Especially for lovers of the slow burn. Because um, that's the really sad thing. And you know, I think that's another reason why I was initially turned off by it. Because especially around 2015 when this came out, uh, just in the middle of the 2010s horror was just like so not my alley because it just well you know like most of them just were it was always like the paranormal activities the saws the uh the, the purge and they're just like none of them are really grabbing me at all uh and so i always had this weird stigma against new horror movies and, and especially one that was just kind of just kind of generic, especially with the the poster that they put out on all the kiosks that I when I was going to the movies. Because um, again, it wasn't the one that I'm using uh, on this commentary track. It's it's the one where she's silhouetted against the uh, uh, the forest in the dark. And it's really boring and whatnot. But I so I was always expecting I was expecting that movie to be like you know another one of those oh dude bro let's get it's kind of scary with this movie and it's so not that as a matter of fact I really wonder how many dude bros went into this 
thinking, hey, we're going to get a really cool, scary movie. Oh, The Witch. And so I really want to know just how many people just waiting for a, a scare to scare moment movie just kind of walk out halfway like, what the hell is this? Uh, like, I mean, you have a point. However, I mean, I this scene, I'm just enamored with it because it's like, once again, she is, she's the one person. It's like, I will tell it like it is, but how dare a woman calls shit out in Puritanism? Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, she has done everything she can, like, she's not the guilty party here but she's being nope. accused like she is and then she points out how the other people are the guilty parties and how dare she point out that somebody else did something wrong when they themselves have been doing nothing but this just that and also i really love that how ambiguous the the uh, the smaller children are because I really can't tell if they're actually bewitched or if they're just asshole kids. Because kids can kind of be the worst, especially at that age. I don't think he was damned. I think he got onto Christ's lap, like, right at the very last second. Well, that's one hell of a timeout. I don't think anyone knows if they're a witch or not. Oh no, those witches in the woods know they're witches. Well, though they do. I'm talking about the people in this room. Because, man, once again, ambiguity. 
is the horror. Oh god, the, even the wide I, I really love the wide shots in this movie too. I mean, they picked such a great location because the I mean, the height of the trees there versus their like it does feel ominous. Yes. And also, is it me or does that feel that forest like it would feel like it was actually getting closer and closer throughout this whole movie? Because if you noticed, like when the baby was there, it was a fair distance, as you pointed out, like it was a fair distance between the baby and the forest. But uh, now it feels like it's getting closer and closer. And who knows, maybe that's just like they're using a, a telephoto lens to compress the image. Or maybe it's actually starting to thematically grow closer and closer to them and trying to consume them. Because, you know, the, the whole story arc is very, it has like a very loose uh, nature versus um, civilization kind of theme going. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, you also mentioned the really nice location. Didn't he actually want to uh, shoot in the uh, the original New Hampshire colonial area? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought it was actually done in Canada. Yeah, well, I think that's what, uh, what happened was that he originally wanted to shoot out in uh, the real locations of the the colonial areas uh but because of taxes you know it's just easier to shoot in canada and whatnot and they had like a whole bunch of trouble so they had to go out way in the middle of the boonies to get the right look that he was looking for and that became that just added so much to the atmosphere because you really did feel isolated yeah And truth be told, I think it really works for it because uh, a lot of the the colonial areas, I mean, you're basically out in the outskirts of New York City and Washington, D.C. out there. So yeah. it's it'd be really, really hard to get that sense of isolationism. For sure. Oh, the minimalist sound design. This is the part that really creeped me out. I mean, that whole, the, the boy's death was intense, but for me, I think this might be the creepiest scene of the movie. Oh yeah, I, oh, yeah, I forgot about the silver cup. It's still there. 
Ooh, that is creepy. You know what else I really appreciate about that is how reserved that is. You know how easy it would have been to like, you know, make his eyes black or blood red or something. Yeah, but there's, something we've there's... seen. Well, I'm glad that the, the that kind of uh, uneasiness and that level of creep factor is downplayed just so you can really focus on the character. Oh. Oh, yeah. I missed this, I think, previously. Ah, yeah. So that's that's the goddess. Right, right. That, that's how she falls to, to the witch, is by, to the devil, by temptation of her lost children. Oh, ah, God. Yep, another thing from the the history journals is would say that witches would breastfeed crows. So there you are. Oh god, that's that actually just might be the most disturbing shot in this whole movie <laughs> for at least for me. Yeah, that's it's really unsettling. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm actually curious. What's the scariest part for in this movie for you though? Because I know you've seen this like four times, and I've only seen it like twice. I. I don't know about scariest, but I think the most visually arresting is is when the sun dies. Yeah. 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 Especially because of, again, I love how reserved this movie is. And it's all played in just one shot because you don't want to overplay the editing or overplay the score. The performance itself is just so riveting and so intense that one shot and let that performance play is all you need. Oh, yeah, and right here. I love that it never cuts away. And it's just him looking at the barn. And whatever lays out about in the, in the, uh, the yard. But it never cuts away. Again, reaction shots. Characters' reactions to the horror is so much more compelling than the horror itself. Okay, so I was wrong. Apparently there was just one jump scare in here. 
But you know what? I'll give it a pass because this movie is is so well crafted. I, 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 I think there's two. You could you could say with the the way they did the sound design when the the witch's hand comes up with the boy. I can uh, say there's yeah, two. Yeah. Well, either way, that uh, that's probably the that, that was probably the only legit jump scare in the movie. So I stand corrected. Uh, but I'll give it a pass because you know what? It works. There are times to use it. Death by boy, you hey, you know what? That, that just hit me. All that firewood that he chopped literally collapsed onto himself. Yep. Wow, and this her, movie's her good. Her brother and sister gone, taken by the witch. And God knows what happened to them. It's just mum left. She's lost it. In all fairness, in all fairness, Mother, you were the one who put your hand on that book. Mm-hmm. Boy, it really makes mo looks like uh, makes uh, Joan uh, makes uh, Joan Crawford look like Mother of the Year. Mommy dearest, no one. <laughs> oh, this is I th I really loved to have this moment with Katie Dickey. The vocals that she made are just so unsettling. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, well, when you're struggling for your life. It's kill or be killed, but still, Jesus. And I don't know what it, what it is, but the imagery of the blood all over her mouth is just so... Yeah. It just feels correct, doesn't it, considering what we have and uh, what's presented. And also, I really love that the blood is the only... Is, they really made the red pop. 
in the yeah. color grade. Christ, what do you do now after all that? Right? Like, and that's the Church and society, what? You're going to walk two, three days back to town with your whole family dead and just be like, hey, I'm back? Like, yeah. With the... they, they, they'd be like, you're a witch regardless. Yep. It's time to flee even further west. There really some... was... 1630 there is no further west at this point i mean further west west at this point is like well join a native american tribe if they'll have you yeah exactly that's well that's probably my point at least they'd be a little bit kinder than uh her family probably was but depends on the tribe that's very true at this point, the Native Americans were at their peak, and yeah, they weren't all perfect either. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't know enough. I can't remember enough history. I don't know if this is when they were starting to rebel and kill the settlers or not yet. So yeah, my history probably, on that is a little rusty. But I mean, there was probably at least some. Of well, them we did see just some. Like, kill we a did white see. We, we did see some at the very beginning when they left town, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. But I do know that uh, this is supposed to take place just uh, about 30 or 40 years before the actual Salem Witch Trials. Yeah, I think this is supposed to take place in like 1630, so. Yeah, yeah. You know, if this wasn't 1630, uh, I can see her just like warming up a hot, like a hot bath at that point. (laughs) Just like, no, I'm done. But I do love how they shoot this epilogue because this is actually kind of similar in the way that uh, I ended one of my horror movies in college where a character just is so exhausted. He just sleeps. There's a little cut to black and then it wakes back up for the finale. And uh, yeah, boy, what a finale we got coming. Yep. You know, I also wonder, uh, and I'm glad that this movie does not show it, but I really wonder if her mother and father are still dead, rotting on the lawn. Oh, yeah. Or if they've just been, or if they disappeared and vanished into the woods somewhere. I don't know, but I find that really, really unsettling that we don't know if they're still just there. Right. Once again, I really love how it uses the use of the portrait. And they don't really cut away a lot. Because th- that's another thing that you know, I've seen a lot of films do is, or at least in movies like this is they'll, it's just uh they don't, won't cut away. So that way they're just winding the tension for tension's sake. There's really not a whole lot of release of the tension, mm-hmm. you know, but there is a lot 
of winding the tension up. Just winding, winding, winding. And then it stops. And then I'll wa start winding again. Maybe I'll get a release. Maybe you won't. Oof. <laughs> the sound. I, I, I actually got to ask, because I, I mean, I have some pretty good speakers, and I'm listening to this on my, my headphones. But uh, how creepy was this listening to this scene the where the devil speaks? How was that in the theater? Oh, it was it was great. Like... <laughs> so apparently back in 1630 the the devil had a very very uh popular ASMR career. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this shot. This is so cool. Where it goes from first step is a goat leg, the next is a man. Right. That's so cool. I I'm really loving that these really great directors know that you can get uh, such a powerful movement effect even when it's out of focus. Oh, I love it. I also love that uh, he's hidden by a, sh a hat and has earrings. And you also notice his lips don't move. Yep. Oh, that's super it, it's, creepy. Yeah, it's it's great. And you know, again, like the reference to butter, the Catholic Church called butter like this massive sin at the time, like, or, <laughs> like, or the cause of like massive sin at the time. So again, now it's period, just breakfast, <laughs> right? But it's like period accurate, calling stuff out, and then, um. Right here, another detail. Um, if you don't know, you wouldn't know. They're chanting uh, yeah. Enoshian, which is... Yeah. But it's, it's an occult language that some claim is an angelic language, but regardless, it's an occult language. And they are chanting funerary rites. So to bring about death and destruction? Something of, of that. But, uh, so creepy. Still, I think, as the wife pointed out, yeah, to us millennials these days, this just looks like a really lit Friday night to us. <laughs> God, I also can't imagine that they actually had Anya Taylor-Joy nude out in these scenes. That had to have been a body double, because she was like, she had to have been like, what, 18, 19 at the time? Uh, I actually think a lot of it was, like, the back shots and things, I think, are body doubles. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, granted, they do film very, very far away, so it's very tasteful right. and but still. whatnot. But, yeah. So what a great what a great opening performance. Oh, it's so creepy. And then the wide.
Ooh. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. This now, right this here, little, though. Yeah. Uh, it was inspired by many folk tales, fairy tales, written accounts of historical witchcraft, including journals, diaries, and court records. I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't put that at the very front of the film. No, you, no, 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 it's, it is such an intentional conscious choice. And it's great because think about it. You just watched this whole movie and it's a very intense kind of visceral movie. And you want to think like, man, like what a great horror film. What a great work of fiction. And then it's just like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, because, no, well, I love that he did do that. I'm just saying, in a much more conventional movie, that would have been the opening text to the movie. But that's, but that, but that's the, but that's just it. In a conventional movie, the, the whole point is, when you, when you set the tone like that is, you want people thinking of, oh, this is an actual historical tale. Now, this isn't. This is just taking, amalgamating a bunch of different things from the historical records and journals and things of that, of that nature. Right. right. Um, a- you know, court uh, records. Authenticity, not accuracy. Exactly. Um, and, and honestly, you usually get the best period pieces when they operate that way, when they're going more for being period authentic rather than... Um, historically uh, accurate. Historically accurate. Uh, yeah. You know, case in point, one of my favorite movies, Master and Commander, is probably the most accurate depiction of life on a on a tall ship you're ever going to see but the point here though is that if you're going in with that expectation it changes how you go are are perceiving the movie Mm -hmm. like that changes your mindset and i don't think he wanted that mindset change but by adding that at the end not only does it then harken back to that mindset it forces you to reevaluate everything you just watched, which is then going to further ingrain it in your mind. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant and creepy and a just genius Boy, can, move. Do you really appreciate the fact that the text here actually looks like a playbill? Oh, like, yeah. It, I, I, well, and, and, again, and the fact that like, it's much more square in nature. It looks like, you know, the, the end credits of a 4 by 3 movie. Yeah, and, I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I think it's all played very, very well. And yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I just. But you're right. More, more films should do that, especially if it's you know if it's like one of those movies that are either based on or inspired by real events. You should always put that stuff after the movie has rolled, well, not no, before. No, it, it depends on what there's there's as I just said. There's reasons to have it in both ways. If you want people in a certain mindset, it's fine to have it beforehand. That's the whole point. However, it can also be used effectively to, you know, change a perspective later on like it is here. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely that's... think there's there's reasons to have it before and after. Um, but, yeah, uh, so one of the reasons I think this film is so good and is going to be an enduring classic is you can obviously tell that you know, the writer and director that, that enters here has a passion for what he's making. Yes, absolutely. It's like he cares about this. And um, I think a lot of 
the the best film comes from that kind of stuff. I mean, one of my personal favorites, um, you know, is Wes Anderson, and as stylized and and as his movies are, and you know, I know that the people are gonna love him or hate him, whatever. There is such a passion for what he does. Absolutely, you know, he, this man has a vision and he's out to create it, and that you get that feeling here. This man had a vision, and he was out to create it. And my gosh, like, how could anyone say that <laughs> Robert Eggers on a, on his first feature length film, yeah. like, didn't just knock it out of the park? My gosh. Mm-hmm. And well, it also really goes to show because if you look at his filmography before that, he did. Uh, short films, uh, he did uh, Hansel and Gretel and the Telltale Heart, but he was also a production designer as well. well so right. that that really bleeds through. So, And I'm sure that's what really gave the atmosphere of not just this film, but also The Lighthouse, because both you and I have seen clips of it. We haven't actually sat down right. and watched it. Um, that actually might have to be a thing we'll, we'll have to sit down and watch together one of these days. Either... On this show, or uh, no? Or we, just I'm not doing time. a co- I'm not doing a cold commentary. That's just rude. Oh uh, no, 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 not a cold commentary. Uh, I've done a cold commentary only once, and it was last year in Halloween, and it was for Cats 2019. Not a horror film, simply Horrific. a horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and again, the only cold cold one i did i i did with the room because i'd never seen it i did it with people who loved it so that because we wanted to capture actual real reactions of someone's first experience with the room <laughs> which is fair but like you don't want both people going in cold like there, there's films to no. do that for and films not to but and i don't think this man's films are one of those um but yeah i'm very excited uh for anything he does, not and also anything at this point, um, it's clear from the way she's picked her projects that anything you know Anya Taylor Joy is doing. Oh, absolutely! Equally, I am I mean, so I, I am think, so looking forward to her in uh, Last Night in Soho with uh, Edgar Wright. Like that's yeah, going to be but, awesome. But it's just like this this movie put two people into the artistic sphere who are definitely people to watch, and you know kind of circling back i said this is probably the the strongest you know independent opener of of a director i've seen since pie and you know it's the time and by that i mean um one of the lamentations i have being a fan of film is that so often new directors come out with something very interesting and they just end up getting folded into uh into working for the studios yeah um, yeah and you know i uh let me give you a good example of that was well, i was gonna say taiko watiti did boy and then what we do in the shadows and then what we do uh, in the shadows became super super uh, commercial I, and then when he did thor ragnarok he was just like worked into star wars and well, all this other but stuff I, to a certain extent i will disagree because at least he's still doing his own work as in he he did that is Jojo true Rabbit. i love um, i love jojo rabbit but, you know, one of the people I'm thinking of uh, specifically is uh, Colin Trevorrow. Oh, because, yeah. my gosh, yeah. Safety Not Guaranteed was a brilliant little movie. Yeah. And then he's gone on to do, you know, Jurassic World and... He did a um, treatment for Star Wars. And... Yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I think he he might be going back um, 
to doing some of his own stuff. Uh, but who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just need to, you know, take a well, step back and go back into that. Because you remember what well, John Favreau did after he did Iron Man and uh, Jungle Book? He just like, I just want to kick back and make a movie about food. And we right, got right, Chef, which, and right, that was right, a wonderful right, which movie. Which is fine, but I guess what I was trying to trying to cut, circle around to, um, I really like directors who are going to stick to their artistic principle because I want nothing more, as much as I don't think I'm going to get it, there, there to be enough directors doing their own shtick again to have a new American school. Yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, we just keep. I mean, we just keep getting. It's so just many of not them. commercial. Yeah, well, and that. I don't, but that's just it. It's like eschew the commercial, and you know, to that point, um, when you have directors who are doing very interesting stuff go commercial, it often doesn't end well case in point um uh warcraft you know oh oof right but oof. like when when you watch his other films it's just like man you're actually a really good filmmaker oh yeah 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 and you know it's just like oh cassidy like just make your movies like mm-hmm. don't don't and i get it the man loved warcraft so he wanted to do it and that's cool um, but that also kind of makes me wonder. It's like, okay, he actually loved Warcraft and campaigned to get this movie. So how much were his hands tied by the studio? Was he actually able to make the movie he wanted? I mean, who knows? He, he turned in two fantastic Spider-Man movies, and then the third took a steaming pile dump on everything. So who knows? Who really knows? Because I know, like, especially for the third one, he was juggling a lot from that but uh, it's something so, you'll have to oh, ask sam. Sorry, i had the name right it was duncan jones i was thinking of uh yeah but i, I was talking about yeah who are you talking about i was talking about duncan sam jones. raimi oh no I, yeah i was talking about duncan jones uh, oh my bad i said Warcraft. that's right he that's that's right he directed warcraft sam right, raimi like, just produced he, it he had done he had done moon which was amazing yeah yeah and, and, okay know, and then afterwards, you know, he did Mute, which is very stylized, but I, I, I thought was quite well done, particularly coming off of, you know, a disappointing film to be able to make a movie like that. I, you know, his, the vision and the message of that movie was great. And I, you know, that's kind of the whole thing is like, I really just want these great directors um, or these just interesting doing directors. what they want. Right. And, and, and here's, here's kind of, I guess what I'm hearkening to if they're going to make a studio movie, this is what annoys me. The studios want too much control because they're trying to make this commercial product. But it's like, if you find someone who loves your source material and you just let them do it, that you know already has the talent, you're probably going to get what you want better than what you think you want. Yeah. In ca- uh, case it, in point, right now, Dune. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> Look, you can be as picky as you want in the hiring process of your director, but once you've got them, let them go. Exactly. <laughs> Look, if you if you really want to be like really specific, hire your director, and then let them do the job. Do not micromanage. Right, and I think that's so often what has kind of become the problematic issue with why. You know, Although I do, a, I, to, to some extent, though, I do kind of get why they want to micromanage it a little bit. You know, like, 
they look back to Heaven's Gate <laughs> well, and shit look, like that. I mean, but... but but at the same time, it's like, I, I understand that there's the worry there. However, if you want people to stop complaining about, or to stop having the issues of, like, there's nothing original, it's all so boring, it's all just rehashed. I mean, look, love it or hate it, the revenues for feature Star Wars films have dropped. Yeah. I mean, those because movies they are, are very good. Right. Those movies were not bringing in the 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 dollar values that they were anticipating. And it's like, yeah, well, this is what happens when you don't have a firm hand at the helm and you do, and you you exert too much studio control. Mm-hmm. It's like you need to like with you're going to do a trilogy. You need to hire someone who was on board to do the whole thing, whether as. Uh, necessarily the director or as like an overall like producer runner whatever but like, you need to have somebody or just like an overarching story you know well right but you need to have somebody with a firm hand on it and they never Absolutely. did and that's kind of the point it's like as you said like you find the right person and you let them work yeah yeah and thankfully they got to work in this case and right and, and that's and i love the fact that it's like he's just still doing his own thing and that's wonderful that's what I want to see him do. but And basically, I guess my, my encouragement is, if you're a director doing stuff and you're thinking about, and you are having that opportunity, I know you're seeing the stars and you're seeing the possibilities, but if they're not going to give you creative control, you don't sign on. That's my encouragement. Yeah. 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 I think that about wraps up this Halloween <laughs> special. Do you have a good time watching this? Because Jesus I Christ, always this have a good time watching this. Oh, it's, it's so good. And I really do hope that one day people are going to look back and say, this truly is a bona fide classic of horror. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. It, and, and hopefully, you know, people will think it's so good that they'll pop onto this channel and watch it with us. Right? Hey, I mean, that that's the hope. You know, look, I love doing this. You love doing this. We, we can do this forever. But you know what? We're doing this to share our love with other people. So, And how. So, uh, yeah, I guess that wraps it up uh, th for this Halloween special. I've been Tim. I've been Sean. And you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Peace. <laughs>